1: Welcome to The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. I'm your host, Jason Greenblad. With tensions rising across the world, diplomacy is needed perhaps now more than ever. During my time as former White House Middle East envoy and as one of the chief architects of peace between Israel and its Arab neighbors, I've had the chance to witness the power of diplomacy firsthand, and today I would like to share that perspective with you. Shalom, salam, and welcome to The Diplomat. Folks, this is a really important interview. Normally, I don't put parental discretion as advised on my podcast, but this one I would say is really meant for older uh, teens and, of course, adults. It was a tough interview to do. It's an important one. It's a story of tragedy, but also a story of courageous parents seeking justice for the murder of their 15 year old daughter, Malki Roth, by a cold blooded terrorist. Arnold Roth, Malki's father, is my guest today. He shares the tragic story of Malki, the work that he and his wife Frimit have been doing to get justice, the roadblocks and the frustrations, and so much more. Arnold and I don't agree about King Abdullah, the King of Jordan, and you'll hear that come out during the course of the interview. His experience in Jordan and with Jordan is very different from mine, but of course we were dealing with two very different issues. Arnold is a courageous man, and I hope you're deeply moved by his story, and it inspires you to help him and Frimit get justice for the murder of their daughter, Malky, who was slain at a Sabaro pizza shop in Jerusalem in 2001. Take a listen. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. I'm here today with Arnold Roth, and I want to let my listeners know this is going to be a a tough podcast to listen to. It deals with tragedy, it deals with terrorism, it deals with the cold blooded murder of Malki Roth, who was 15 years old in 2001 when she was slain in Jerusalem by a terrorist. A terrorist who, you know, will mention her name once, um, and then I just want to refer to her as the terrorist. She doesn't even deserve to be named. Um, Alam Tamimi, who is living in Jordan at the moment, perhaps I should say, unfortunately, living it up in Jordan. Um, Arnold Roth, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm sure this is difficult. It's a difficult topic, but an important one. So thank you for being here on The Diplomat.
0: Thanks for creating the opportunity.
1: Why don't we start with the background, uh, who Malki was, uh, give us a little bit of a story about her, and then tell us what happened on that terrible, terrible day.
0: Uh, I was running a drug company here in Jerusalem as the chief executive. Uh, I had a full afternoon of uh, conference calls with our main client who was in Switzerland, came back to my desk at 2 o'clock after lunch and there was a call from my wife screaming into the phone, very not typical. She said that there had been a pigua, a terror attack in the centre of town. She had not been able to reach the children and then she hung up. I I don't think I got even a word in. Uh, The rest of that day and into the night were absolute hell. Uh, We knew only in dribs and drabs what uh, was unfolding around the middle of the evening. We learned that her best friend had just been reported as having been killed uh, via the news. Uh, uh, Lots of other events in between that uh, constitute the nightmare and uh, make for hard telling. But at 2 o'clock in the morning with our two oldest sons, accompanied by a social worker, we got a call from the government pathology lab in Jaffa, and that was when we knew that uh, our daughter had been found and that she was not alive and that we had uh, some very hard things uh, ahead of us. And indeed, they were. We buried her the next day. Uh, I don't remember very much about the day or the days that followed, but uh, life was really in a very strange and difficult place.
1: And let's talk about... What you found out afterwards, who this terrorist was, what transpired, and why she is living it up in Jordan right now.
0: In some ways, the most important thing I can say is that nothing of what we learned came from any special source. Our source of information from the day of the murder until today has been the news, the internet for the most part. Uh, there's never been a situation in which our government, the government of Israel, or uh, Maliki's government, the government of the United States, has provided us with any special information. The single exception to that, are there are really two. One of them is that on the uh, the day yeah. that the uh, Shalit deal in 2011 was announced, and that was when the government of Israel, for the purposes of doing a deal to release a, a, an Israeli hostage from the hands of Hamas, he'd been imprisoned there for five years. Um, uh, announced that they were going to release 1,027 terrorists, most of them murderers, and uh, somebody called from the government to tell me that this includes our daughter. We were given that special privilege because my wife, over a period of six years, had been calling into the relevant government office whenever there was a rumour of an of a deal, and every time she was assured, no, there is no deal, until there was a deal. And uh, that person was kind enough to call and say, sorry to say, your daughter's murderer is in there. And uh, and the other special opportunity came when uh, five years after I had gone to Washington to plead with the Department of Justice and the FBI to go after the uh, the terrorists. Um, you'll forgive me if I do mention her name uh, here, Jason, because uh, it's hard for me to even keep track. It's Tamimi. I talk about Tamimi a great deal. Ahlam Tamimi is the murderer of my child. It's not out of affection that I refer to her name. Uh, the um, group of government officials from Washington came to Jerusalem. They didn't tell us why. They asked us to meet them. Uh, And the message was three hours from now, the government is going to announce five years late that the uh, murderer, Tamimi, is being charged today in three hours from now in Washington. And the government of Jordan has already indicated that they will not honor Hard for me to use those words, honour. They will not not respect the treaty that has bound the two countries since 1995 and the lifetime of King Hussein, who uh, many of your uh, audience will know is the father of today's king, King Abdullah II. Jordan had already notified the United States, probably a long time before I heard it, that they were not going to honour the treaty, they were not going to hand her over for trial in the United States as they're obliged to do, and they were going to keep her safe. So all of those things came to us uh, as special information, if you like. Everything else has come to us in the same way that it's come to you. Now, I shouldn't say you. You've got your own lines of communication, uh, but most of the people watching this don't. We know what everybody else knows, whatever we read on on the news. So uh, it's been a very difficult uh, process right up until today.
1: I want to point out, um, you mentioned it in passing, but I want to be clear to my listeners that Malky was an American citizen. It- you know, in a way it doesn't matter because any death, any murder is horrific, but it's important for the story to know that she was an American citizen. Why do you think it took five years, five years too late for the American government to come up with that position?
0: Um, I don't think that the American government had a hard time formulating its own position. I do think that the Jordanians were being beseeched to comply with their obligation and were refusing. And the innate optimism of the American Uh, Diplomats and the American uh, justice system kept the Americans coming back again and again until it was clear uh, in 2017 that this was going nowhere. And at that point, someone took the decision that this case ought to be announced to the world and certainly to uh, the two American families. Uh, My wife and I are one, and uh, there was another family who asked not to be named, but their daughter was also murdered that day, and she too as you've correctly said and thank you for inserting that missing piece of information she too was an american citizen all of my children are american citizens because of the americanness of my wife i'm as you can tell from my accent not uh, but the uh, the the americanness of Malky is precisely why i was able to go to washington and meet with officials there and to say to them there's a law an american federal law which says that if there's a terrorist act that takes place outside the, the territory of the united states Using a weapon of mass destruction, which unfortunately there was in our case, and an American is killed, more than one, then America has the obligation and the privilege of going after that terrorist, wherever that terrorist may be, and bring that terrorist back to the United States to be tried under American law. The horrifying dimension to that, if I can call it that, is that in coming to the Justice Department when I did in February 2012, this was the first time the Department of Justice had agreed to to, uh, to apply the law. I, I can't. I have no answer as to why that was the case, and I only know of one other case since our case, but in that case, the other case, um, the terrorists are in prison and are likely to stay there for the rest of their lives.
1: Let's touch on Jordan, and, you know, obviously it's a sensitive topic. You and I don't agree necessarily on Jordan, but I have no... Um, I'm not in a position to argue with you given what you've gone through and what you're trying to get. I can't even imagine it, right? I've met King Abdullah many, many times. I think he is a very good leader for Jordan. I think uh, he's a good leader in terms of the relationship with Israel. I obviously disagree with his position on this, on on your side on this. I don't know that he's going to listen to this podcast, but I certainly will be sending it to some high-level diplomats in Jordan. So hopefully they'll listen and take to heart your message. What would your message be to the decision makers in Jordan about this? Forget the past, I understand how aggrieved you are and you deserve to be aggrieved, but what's your position as a father of someone whose child was murdered?
0: Uh, Here I'm gonna kind of turn the tables because I'm not, uh, I don't really see myself as an aggrieved uh, or, or grieving father when I speak publicly on this subject. I see myself as standing up for American justice and I see myself as being the the uh, canary in the coal mine warning people that if uh, uh, weak leaders like King Abdullah in Jordan uh, are allowed to be the, the, the tail that wags the dog, much as uh, in, in certain ways the South Vietnamese were in the mid-70s as they dragged America deeper and deeper into the quagmire, um, they're constantly saying, catch me because I'm going to fall. And it's a it's a pretty hideous scenario if you're not sympathetic to them. I'm certainly not sympathetic, but that's not the issue here. I actually have nothing to say to the Jordanians. Uh, there was a time when I thought that uh, being reasonable and persistent might make a difference, but I've been ignored by every uh, conceivable level of Jordanian official, to the point where not not a single one of them has ever engaged, not a single one of them has ever said a thing to me. It doesn't matter to me. Jordan is not, in my view, an actor in any of this. It's entirely the United States. Jordan cannot survive a day after the point at which the United States says, we want her on the four o'clock flight this afternoon, and we will not take any questions. That would be the end of all of this. It would produce an immediate result. And I'm not at all, I would say, naive, in trying to size up what the real politic of the situation is, I think that it's pretty plain to anyone that the kingdom of uh, Jordan is being permitted to have a certain degree of autonomy in this. I think that's appalling. I think that this is immoral. That it is a it's a it's a demeaning of American justice and a demeaning of Americans. It's Certainly, demeaning of my daughter who is no longer alive uh, and the other victims. But uh, I have to just underscore the issue here is an American issue the minute that the American political system, and this isn't a bi- this isn't a partisan view it, it applies to both sides of the aisle makes the decision that justice Trump's uh, any of these uh, political deals uh, in which we stand behind some leader because he's perceived as speaking nicely, having uh, the right kind of attitude uh, when that happens, justice will be done, and if I can just throw in one additional line, and I'm not looking to either antagonize you or to seek your agreement on this, Jordan is a hideously anti-Semitic place. I speak not only on the basis of a lot of reading, but I've been there multiple times. I was actually building a business in Jordan uh, up until the point at which my daughter was murdered by a Jordanian, and I've never gone back there. I never will go back there. Jordan has much more anti-Semitism than gravity and physics would um, serve to justify it's a very bad place for jewish interests uh, why is that an issue that i want to bring up here because i don't know a single thing that the king has done to ameliorate to in any way modify the uh the um, enthusiastic embrace of anti-semitism of his people and this i don't understand i know that the king meets with jewish leaders frequently At least once a year i know that he's going to be doing it again in the next few weeks because he's always in new york for the opening of the united nations general assembly which this year is on i think the 13th of september and without having any inside information i have none he'll be meeting with jewish leaders behind closed doors the jewish leaders will say nothing and the jordanian media will be full of photographs and of reports of the king displaying his quote unquote wisdom it happens every year the word wisdom appears repeatedly in those reports uh, the king does not deserve, in my view, the kind of uh, deference and respect that he gets from the American political system. It's way outside my pay grade and my experience and my capabilities. But that's the position i mean, I don't look to the Jordanians to solve this. I certainly look to the American government to solve it.
1: Okay. So I just want to touch upon your last comment, and then I want to move to the American government. So, Um, Obviously, you've had your experience, and I'm sure your experience is fully accurate. My experience has been very different, both with King Abdullah and many of the leadership in the the kingdom. Um, I don't want to say many of the people. My experience is really limited to the leadership and a couple of uh, ordinary Jordanians. So, you know, it looks like we have and sounds like we have a great deal of work to do on the anti-Semitism front. But I do want to touch upon what's really important here, which is the American government. So you sent a letter to President Biden recently, and I want to talk about that letter. But I also, before we talk about the letter, I want to be clear, this is not President Biden's fault. He is the leader in charge today. And this has been going on past from administration to administration, including the administration that I worked for for three years, the Trump administration. So you've been uh, incredibly frustrated by all of us, I I guess I should say. Um, And you sent a letter to President Biden. Why don't you tell the listeners what was in that letter and what you are trying to accomplish and, and hope for from President Biden.
0: I think you framed that very well. Um, this was not the first letter that Fremit, my wife, and I sent to him last year. At this time, we sent a letter via the pages of the Wall Street Journal, an open letter to, uh, King, uh, to uh, President Biden, a polite letter, a, a reasoned letter, and and a letter that had a purpose. The purpose was: you're about to host King Abdullah in the Oval Office, and here are some things that you ought to have on your mind. That letter was completely ignored. Uh, several other approaches that we made to President Biden were completely ignored. And uh, just to adopt the 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 uh, um, the the, uh, the framework that you've offered here, excuse me for losing my way. Um, we had the same experience during the Trump administration. I have nothing nothing. Uh, Nothing that I want to say that will distinguish that or this or any other administration. You're right, it's a, it's a systemic problem. When uh, President Biden announced that he's on his way to Jerusalem, my wife and I prepared a letter and we managed to get it delivered to the Oval Office on the Sunday before he arrived in Jerusalem. Um, I don't have any spies in the Oval Office or in the White House, but I do know that you can often rely on the media, and I relied in this case on Associated Press who kept me informed from the point at which we delivered the letter until the response arrived. There was a period of 24 hours between our getting the letter into the Oval Office and Associated Press getting a response from the Oval Office. Let me just underscore that. It was Associated Press who got the response from the Oval Office, from the President of the United States. It was not us. We've never been uh, graced with a response from him or from any other oc- occupant of the Oval Office or of the White House or of the State Department come to that. And the message was there will be no response to the Roths. That's not exactly verbatim. I might be wrong on one word, but it's pretty much the sense of it. There will be no response for the Roths. This was the same day that the White House was, I would call it, falling over itself to accommodate the very angry Abu Akleh family. The family, or the connections, not necessarily the family of an Al Jazeera journalist who had been killed in the crossfire of a fight in Janine between uh, uh, Israeli forces and terrorists. And the message to them was, We want to help you get an accountability. We invite you to come to Washington. Be our guests here in Washington. We want what you want. That came out of the same office on the same day. But there was another dimension to this that I want to mention uh, here, Jason, if I may, and that is that uh, out of the blue, from our point of view, the White House National Security Council made a statement within the same hour as the message that said there will be no response to the Roths, and it said, bearing in mind that we're at that point almost five years after, no, sorry, more than five years after Tamimi had been charged and has been living the life of a celebrity in Jordan. The message from the uh, uh, National Security Council is the United States continues to seek the apprehension of Ahlan Tamimi and the cooperation of Jordan in achieving this. Now, I have to say that practically made my head pop. Here we have public officials who are sane and sober and capable and uh, and absolutely know what's going on, pretending that there's been a process which is now going to continue. This is really offensive uh, to me, to me, to my wife, to my daughter's memory, to justice, to American Jews, to anybody who has this issue at heart. The idea that they are continuing to seek to have this woman uh, extradited. Flies in the face of the fact that there's never been a single announcement made by them in all of these years, not from the White House, not from the State Department, not from the spokesperson of either the White House or the State Department in three administrations. And yet we've got Jake Sullivan's office saying a month ago, we continue to seek. So I've now written to Jake Sullivan and I've sought to have him clarify for me why it is that people are making these statements as if, A, we don't exist, B, the Tamimi case and the murder of the Americans that day don't exist and see that everybody knows that there is a political understanding here, the effect of which is to make justice be utterly demeaned. I don't know if I'll get a response. My track record is not that good, uh, but I no one can blame me for not trying. I'm, I'm trying and so is my wife.
1: So let's try to give a a direct message. Uh, You know, I know Jake a little bit, a decent guy. He and I disagree on a lot, including the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the Middle East generally, but he's a decent man. Um, I don't know that he will listen to this, but I presume some of my former colleagues in the State Department might, one of them might get this clip and send it on. If you could talk directly to Jake Sullivan, and if not Jake, somebody in the State Department that should handle this issue, and certainly the spokespeople at State and the White House who... Should be handling this issue. What is your direct message to them? Because obviously, saying that there's no response to the Roths, it's um, it's a little bit shocking to me. A little bit, of a lot shocking, in my opinion. Um, thank you for the
0: opportunity to allow me to speak directly into the hearts and faces of the members of the leadership of the State Department, ladies and gentlemen. What you're doing is appalling. Uh, there is a uh, uh, an indictment for this woman who is America's most wanted female fugitive today, she murdered 15 people, three of whom, two two were murdered, uh, two Americans were murdered immediately, and a third is still unconscious today. Focus for a moment on the unconscious woman. An American woman left unconscious by this Jordanian woman who has been given a media platform in Jordan because you've allowed it. This woman has been given freedom in Jordan because you've allowed it. This woman who's had a career right across the Arab world, I'm the father of an American citizen with a great respect for American values and American government. I'm not an American. And I permit myself the freedom to stand on the outside of the system to say, I think you should all be ashamed of yourselves. I think that what's being done here for a completely ill-defined goal is beyond justification let there be people who say that King Abdullah is tremendously valuable to American interests. Let it be. But let's have a public discussion. Let the public be aware of what's really going on. Why was the charges against my daughter's murderer kept secret for five full years? Why have another five years gone by without any significant effort, or maybe no effort at all, to have the murderer extradited, brought to trial in the United States. How long can this go on? How long can you continue to suppress this? How long can you issue statements from the White House and the State Department saying, actually we have no intention of speaking with the Roths? This can't go on.
1: My next question may have a similar answer as you had with Jordan. Uh, and again, I don't know which Arab leaders or media companies or people, parents from the Arab world will be listening, but I do have a following within the Arab world. If you could reach, if you could say something to them, Because you mentioned that she is living it up throughout the Arab countries, treated as a celebrity, I suppose welcomed in the media, um, you know, in interviews and things like that. What would your message be to parents in the Arab world, to media companies? Again, I I appreciate the
0: way you're framing this. Look, uh, most people who know me will say that I'm a fairly dry person, and uh, I'm certainly at an age where practically every aspect of me is dry anyway. But I'm also a father. I'm a passionate father. I have a loving family relationship. I have children I adore. I have grandchildren who are the the joy of life to me. And Malky, who was the middle child at our seven, first girl, fabulously talented, the soul of an angel, Uh, the achievements of somebody way beyond her years, was taken from us by somebody with the ugliest of motivations. Nobody knew my daughter the day that she was murdered. Nobody thinks that she was killed because there was a plot to hit the Americans or to get this particular child. Of course not. The only thing that was important, and this is a fact, this is beyond dispute, is that this was an attack on Jewish children at a pizzeria. The murderer says, I looked for the place which had the largest concentration of Jewish children in Jerusalem. I found it, and that was the the goal, and we achieved the goal. If you're a parent and your children are precious to you, and that's true of almost everybody, then you'll understand what it feels like to know that somebody cared so little for the preciousness of human life and for the preciousness of the relationship between parents and a child to erase that without a moment's thought and then celebrate it. Celebrate it not in a metaphoric sense, to celebrate it literally. In the case of my child's murderer, what she did before the explosion was flee the site, having left the bomb there. The bomb was, of course, a human being carrying a a fake guitar case filled with explosives and shrapnel, some of of the shrapnel is on the shelf above my head, Uh, and uh, go to the TV studio where she read the news. She read the news that night on a Palestinian-Arab television station, Uh, and very shortly after that, there was a replica of the Sabaro uh, massacre created on the campus of a university in that same place. Uh, These people are barbarians. They're savages. If people did this in my name, in my society... I would look for a hole in the ground. I I couldn't look myself in the mirror. I don't understand how Palestinian Arab society and those who stand with them are able to stand up and go on and celebrate and to encourage other people to do the same. And let me just quickly add on, because I I know that this is taking more time than uh, you planned and I planned. Tamimi is a one-woman incitement industry. In October last year, She spoke via video conference to a gathering of Islamist women and girls in Istanbul, Turkey. And I've got the whole video of it here. It's chilling in the truest sense of the word. This is a woman who wanted everybody to understand that she sees herself as blessed by God because of the opportunity to blow up Jewish children. And the greatness of it is such that she wishes other people could taste the same kind of pleasure. Now, I know that there are differences of outlook uh, between the society in which I live and the society of people that uh, live with her. But for the rest of us and for most of the Arab world and certainly for the people in Jordan whom I came to know and to love and to to like very much, uh, this is monstrous. This is a savage. This is a barbarian. And I don't understand what political calculation leads people. Despite what I've just said, get up there to stand with her shoulder to shoulder and say we are all akhlam because that's that's one of the most popular slogans in jordan we are all akhlam what a disgrace
1: this um barbarian you know um, there's a reward on her head a bounty if you will by the rewards for justice uh, i think it's important that people hear that how much is the reward and is this just a political uh, optics tool or does it mean something
0: the a- Uh, Reward is $5 million. Uh, It was not there on the day that the charges were placed, and that was the first signal to us that actually there was something completely uh, not explained going on when the charges were announced to us before they were announced to the world. Uh, I don't believe that there's any intention to give anyone the reward for the simple reason that the reward isn't needed in order to locate her. Everyone knows where she is. Even I know where she is. I've got pictures of the inside of her house, of her car, the view from her balcony, the view out to the street. It's all on the public record. It's all open source. Why would there be a $5 million reward under these circumstances? You know, we can all speculate, uh, but it's certainly not one of the core issues here. The core issue here is that everybody knows that Jordan could hand her over in a minute. Jordan's not a free society. Jordan is not the kind of place where you build a TV career and go against the spirit of the Hashemite palace. If the Hashemite Palace is offended by what you're putting out, you won't finish that program. She finished it every night, every once every week, uh, once a week for five years. Uh, there's no other way to look at it. Her message of hatred, of profound, lethal bigotry, found favor in the eyes of the Jordanian leadership. Whether it was for cold tactical reasons or whether it was out of sincerity, I don't know. It's not my concern. The fact is, her career was enabled, empowered, facilitated by the Jordanians. And she's still there, still free, still out of the clutches of American justice, and all of this to the disgrace of not only the Jordanians, but the Americans who have allowed this to continue
1: up until today. Arnold, I know this was um, a difficult conversation to have, so I want to end it on a, on a hopeful note. What can people do to help? I see on the screen we have www.karenmalki.org What can people do to help?
0: What you just read, Jason, is the uh, URL, the uh, web address of a charity that we created thirty days after Malki's murder. Uh, thirty days in Jewish mourning terms is is important. It's uh, the first, uh, the second real memorial that you have, and that happened to have been on eleventh of September two thousand and one. So it was quite a momentous day. We didn't plan it that way, but that's the way it came out. That's the date on the certificate of registration of the charity that bears Malki's name, and it does fabulous work. The only thing I want to say about it now is that it does its work for families like my own family, which is raising a very disabled, catastrophically disabled child in the home. We don't want our daughter, our youngest, the youngest of our seven children to go anywhere except to be with us, and we help thousands, thousands of other families, a third of them Arabs, to do the same for their own child. So that's the Malki Foundation. There's another address here, and I'll just mention it briefly. We have a, a petition, uh, which we're going to close in the next couple of weeks, uh, addressed to the Secretary of State. Uh, it's in the tens of thousands of signatures at the moment, but we want more. And change.org slash extradite tamimi, change.org slash extradite tamimi. And what I'm asking people to do is go there, add their name, become involved to that limited extent, and help give us a voice. And you've already heard me say that we're not listened to very much. In fact, we're mostly ignored. And that's on the American side. I'm not talking about the Jordanian side, but a petition helps. And if people are willing to give their signatures,
1: that would be great. Okay. I know I said it was the last question, but in your answer, I did want to focus on one sentence you did say. So your daughter was murdered by a Palestinian, yet your organization, a third of it helps Arab Families help with their disabled children. I just want to underscore that point. Did I understand that correctly?
0: Um, Yes, it's a very typical Israeli thing. You can't have that kind uh, of—you can't have the knee-jerk reaction that people often attribute to Israelis of saying, "Well, we'll do this for the Jews, but not for the Arabs," or "We'll do this for the Jews and not for the Christians or the Muslims." That was never a thought in any event. Malki's attitude to life was entirely non-political. Our attitude as as bereaved parents trying to get justice has not the smallest political dimension to it. We hate, despise the behaviour of the politicians we encounter, and it's it, it does not speak for us, and uh, we reject it. But it also means that we're not framing any part of our struggle in terms of being pro-Israel, being pro, uh, being anti-Palestinian Arab or anything of those sorts. And best test is what you just said. Multi-Foundation does fabulous work. I'm the chairman. I I don't run it. We have a professional team running it. Uh, And uh, a third, as you said, as I said also, uh, of the people, the families that we help, the families just like mine who have a very disabled child, and they want that child to be at home and not to be handed off to an institution. And the work that we do is
1: holy. Well, dear listeners, I hope you found this podcast as important and moving as I did. I hope you feel moved enough to help Arnold and Fremont with their mission of seeking justice. Please do share this podcast widely so others can learn of Malky's murder and so others can consider helping Arnold and Fremont. Let's see if we could somehow bring this terrorist who murdered their daughter and who continues to gloat about murdering Jews and who's shockingly and sadly living the life of a celebrity. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat brought to you by Newsweek.